Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. Well, this weekend, I traveled out of state, and I stayed with a friend of mine. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good friend of mine. He's very creative, kind of a, um, he's in marketing, he likes to make things, he's a bit of a jokester. And uh, the first night that I'm there, I'm, I'm staying in his home, I'm washing up, brushing my teeth, doing the typical get-ready-for-bed type stuff, and I observe that right next to the sink on the wall, he has something incredibly unexpected that's hanging there. Um, framed up with a, a mat and a glass frame, the whole deal, I see this picture. Now, I look at it at first, I'm like, okay, that's, that's kind of interesting. A California Republic, okay, what is this? I look at the lower left, oh, this is Bernie Sanders, okay. I look at the lower right, what am I doing there? <laughs> how, how, how did I get into this photo? And, and, and I look at this, I'm like, are, are you serious? What is this? And then, and then all the thoughts start going through my mind. What is this supposed to mean? What, like, is, this, is this some kind of a statement? Like, I haven't, I haven't talked with politics at all about my friend. Like, is, is he saying that I'm endorsing Bernie Sanders? Is that what this statement is? Like, I'm for Bernie Sanders. Or am I, am I interrupting him? Am I like, no, stop talking. Let me show you the word of God instead. Like, I, I, I can't even tell. I don't, I don't know what this what this, this photo is supposed to mean. And it was remarkable to me, actually, it, what it meant, just parenthetically, it was just a joke. It was just my friend being silly because he likes to be silly. Um, but what, what shocked me was the level of emotion and the level of processing that I had with this simple, silly image that my friend made. And my guess is, whatever you feel when you see that image you probably don't feel nothing. Maybe you think it's funny. Maybe you're a little angry. Maybe you wish we hadn't started with this particular analogy. Whatever it is, you probably feel something. Why? Because politics is just in the air right now, isn't it? Now, by the way, some of you are wondering what my stance is on Bernie Sanders. I am not going to discuss any political candidates from the pulpit. That's not how this works. But if you want to talk to me privately, I don't have a problem with that. Come find me, come find me when we're done. But politics is in the air. And my goodness, doesn't it feel like a hot mess right now? I'm exhausted, and we're just looking at the month of it just ramping up and up and up, aren't we? And I'm, on one hand, I'm kind of like, man, I wish this month was over. And then on the other hand, I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for that month to be over because I'm not sure what's coming after that. Politics is so intense right now. It's exhausting. It's draining. It's depleting. It's discouraging. And how are we going to hang in there? How are we going to survive this next month? How are we going to survive whatever it is that's after the election coming up? Well, we're going to survive 
Because we're not just citizens of earth. We are also citizens of heaven. And our faith and our journey with Jesus both speaks into our understanding of politics and can be a source of strength and hope when we run out of that with our natural politics. And so starting today and and continuing forward for the next number of weeks, we're going to talk about that. What does it mean to be a citizen of heaven while still being alive and participating in our nation here on earth? I think it's going to be a helpful series, I hope. And my desire would be that in the process of this, we can feel a little less blown to and fro by the whole political process that we could be rooted, that we could be anchored in Jesus in this time and what he's doing on our planet. And so with that, let's pray. Let's dive in. Jesus, I thank you that you have made us citizens of heaven, that that is where we fit, that's where we belong, that's where home is for us. And I ask God that today, through the rest of this series, Lord, help us to see and to think and to interact and to relate and to feel about politics the way you do. God, I thank you that you are bigger than anything going on on this planet. (laughs) And it's in you that we put our faith and our trust. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, from the beginning, I I, want to I want to talk about what we're going to do here today, because I I have a a real passion for when we have topics like this that are so chaotic, that are so turbulent, that are so exhausting. For me, I, I have a real passion to make sure that the way we are seeing the issue, the way we are approaching the issue, the way we are thinking about the issue aligns with God's perspective. Because if that does not happen, then we're just going to get tossed around for the next six weeks. But if our faith can, can intersect with this realm of politics so that there's not just a little bit of overlap, but we understand the link between the two, then what happens is the way that our faith provides for us the source of life and strength and Holy Spirit empowering can flow into this realm of politics as well. If we don't have that strong connection, then it's like the God stuff's over here and it's great, but then when we get to the politics, it just beats us up. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to really work to try and frame the conversation. And there may be like 100 questions left over after today. That's okay. That's why we have a rest of a series. So, so, so just come back if you're like, but what about, but what about? It's coming. It's coming. But what I've found is that um, many of us uh, could use a bit of an upgrade in how carefully we see these worlds intersecting and what it is that God is actually doing in the political sphere, what he's up to. And so to begin, I want to start by saying something that perhaps we might all take for given, (laughs) but I think is worth saying nonetheless. Our intersection, our relationship with politics, like any other issue in our life, needs to be framed first by what God thinks about the subject. Any area in our life where we are misaligned with what God is doing in that particular area is going to be a problem, right? 
Think about uh, alcohol. If the way I relate to alcohol is not what God would do with alcohol, then that's going to be a problem in my life. And, it, and it's like that in every sector, including in the political sector. And so what we're looking for is we're looking for what is God's relationship to politics? What is God doing with it? What is he not doing with it? And how can we position ourselves to be involved with what God is doing in the political sphere? Now, as soon as we ask that question, things begin to get a little bit complicated. Uh, I'm going to read a passage in Isaiah. This is in Isaiah 9. And it's a passage that we usually reserve for reading around uh, the Christmas season, because this is one of those prophecies of a coming Messiah. But we'll see as we read this, it has some implication for our conversation here today. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. That's Jesus that is being prophesied in advance. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So the first thing that we, that we see here is that God also has a government. Of the increase of Jesus' government and of peace, there will be no end. So as soon as we start thinking about what is God's relationship to government, the first thing we have to realize is he's got one of his own. And so we're not just talking about one government, the natural government, in this conversation, we're actually talking about two. Our national government, whatever that looks like. Of course, here in the United States, we, we know what that looks like. If you're online in another country, you might have a different shape of government. But whatever it is, we all have a natural government that we're intersecting. And there is God's government as well. And the question is, what is the relationship between these two? Well, the first point is this. If our relating to our natural government is framed by our allegiance to God, then the starting point is this. Our first allegiance is to God's government. That's the primary allegiance. In fact, we as vineyard people, we, we know this. The kingdom of God, the rule of God is what we're all about and the government of God is the, is the structuring that God makes his rule happen. So this isn't new news for us. We've been about the government of God all along. We might not have used that language per se. But we are uh, dedicated, we are committed, we, we, our allegiance is to God and his government first and foremost. But the question is, how does that government intersect and relate with the natural government. And as soon as you ask that question, things get a little complicated. And here's why. When you say natural government, my question is, well, what do you mean by that? 
Because there's a lot, a lot, a lot of layers to this thing that we call our natural government. For example, there's a bunch of people. Those people are in varying offices or trying to get into varying offices. So are we talking about the people in the government? Or are we talking about the institutions in the government? Our federal government is made up of loads and loads of institutions, not just the primary you know, three, but it cascades on down. So are we talking about those institutions? Or are we talking about policies? Are we talking about laws? Are we talking about ideologies? You can see there are a lot of layers to this idea of government. And what can happen sometimes where, where things can go wrong, and, and I just want to say this to our like church family, because here's what happens. If we don't think carefully, here's what you do. You pick one of those, whichever one you tend to like think of most obvious, and you just relate to the whole government like it's that. So maybe you're passionate about ideologies. Well, relating to the government is a relationship with ideologies. But that's going to be a problem when you talk to someone who thinks of the government as the people in the government. Because they're going to have a totally different stance on all these things. And so when we ask this question, what's God's relationship with the government? The answer is it is complicated. Because there's all these different facets. And of course, politics is in the mix because politics is the process of government. And so all of this is kind of floating in the air, and this is where things can get messy. Now, in the next 12-ish minutes, we're not going to answer all those questions. But what we can do is we can establish the key concepts that we can drive through to get to the answers to those questions. And so that's what we're going to do here. And here's the key concept. In every area in the world, in every place that God is active, in our personal lives, in our family lives, in every area, God works incarnationally. What do I mean by that? I mean that God, when he, when he gets busy doing things in the world, he does it by stepping into the world and working from a place inside of the world. Now, the, the first, the primary place that we see, this is, of course, in Jesus Christ. God himself comes as a human being, works redemptively from the inside of the world. But he does the same thing, for example, when we get saved. What happens when we get saved? He moves inside of us, and he starts working through us. He does the same thing in our church family. Why do we, why do we love to gather? Because God gathers with us. He joins us. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there with you. He joins us, and he's in us as a family, and he's working through us to the community and all the great things around us. What I want to suggest, as radical as it is, is that God is working in the same methodology in the governmental sphere. God is working incarnationally in the governmental sphere. How does the relationship of God's government in the spiritual realm and our natural government in the natural realm, how do those two relate? God is working to relate incarnationally. And we'll explore that here as we go. One verse that I think is interesting that highlights this, to make it a little specific, and then we'll, we'll keep kind of drawing on that idea, is in Proverbs 21, verse 1. Now, this is a verse that is talking about a king. 
And so we, we have a monarchy government form in mind, not our democratic republic, but we have a monarchy. And here's what it says. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Now, is this scripture saying that all kings everywhere only do what God would have them do? Clearly it is not. There are loads of kings in the Bible that are explicitly said, this was a terrible king who did terrible things. So the Bible is not saying that every choice that a king makes or every choice that a dictator makes, that's kind of roughly our modern expression of being a king these days, is, is being chosen by God. What it's saying is it's saying this. Suppose you're the citizen of a, of a monarchy. So when you look out, you see a natural government that's a king. And that king has the, the, the opportunity to make choices that will affect your life. That's what governments do. <laughs> and what Proverbs 21.1 tells us is that behind the king, if you could see through him, behind the king, God is active further back. And God is working behind the scenes on the heart of the king to try to bring the king into alignment with what God would have them do. He's saying, look, you don't have a say in this governmental system, but I have a say on the king's heart. So I am actually using this monarchy, guiding the king's heart towards the places that I want it to go so that through the king, I can find expression in the natural government that is affecting your life. That's what that verse is saying. Now, you and I, we don't have a monarchy government, right? We, we haven't had one of those for uh, a little more than 200 years at this point. But the, the promise holds true. We have a much more complex government. But you know what's still happening? What's still happening is behind all of the layers, behind the, the executive branch that's about to have a, a replacement in office potentially or not, behind the judicial branch, which is going to have a new Supreme Court justice in the next year or less or whatever, behind all of that, God is at work back here. He's doing stuff. And he is working on this space, and when the natural government and God's government come into alignment, when they line up, God's government can find expression through the natural government. This is, this is the incarnation thing. What he is doing gets physically fleshed out because our government is doing what God is doing. This is what God is doing with government in the world. This is his design. This is his pattern. Does it happen perfectly? Of course not. You don't have to look around very far to see that our current government isn't, isn't executing this perfectly. But that does not change the fact that this is God's design. This is God's desire. And so when we understand that, it helps us understand, okay, if God's government is behind our natural government, active in doing things, and if at times they can align, but maybe they don't always align, then that frames for us how we, as citizens of that government, 
citizens of the one behind our natural government. And our primary allegiance and primary hope and primary faith is in that government, the one behind our natural government. Then what are, how do we relate to this one, to our natural one? Well, there's three things I want to say. The first is this. Politics and the government are not our enemy. They're an opportunity. Look, guys, I get it. I'm as exhausted as you are. I tuned into the debate. I was discouraged as well. I, I understand. It's easy to just kind of want to be like, well, the whole government's just so messed up. Let's just, let's just see if we can get rid of this government and just go straight to God's government. Can we pitch the natural one? It's not helping anybody these days. And, and I get it, man. I, I, there's part of my heart that sometimes goes, man, that would be kind of nice, wouldn't it? But here's the thing. We can't demonize our natural government just because it's not aligned with God's government. When you do that with people, you demonize the lost because they're not saved. And none of us are on board with that. We go, no, you love the lost. You draw them back to the kingdom. Yes, they're not in alignment with God right now, but that doesn't mean you make an enemy out of them. Satan's the enemy. They're not the enemy. We love them. We welcome them. We draw them home. In the same way, our political system, however far misaligned from God's government it may be at this moment, it is not the enemy. The problem is, it's not filled with God, it's filled with other stuff. But the other stuff is the problem, not our government. Our government is the opportunity for God's government to find expression in our natural, uh, in our natural earth. That's a good and a beautiful thing. That is why God made it so there are governments. He could have designed this whole thing so that we didn't need them. He didn't. Government is not an enemy. It's not an opportunity. The goal, or it is an opportunity. The goal is not to replace the natural government with Jesus' government. It's to fill the natural government with Jesus' government. Second thing, we as believers ought to do what we can to try and facilitate that alignment. But we live in a wonderful country where we have all been granted a measure of voice in the political process. And you know what? Who can perceive what God is doing? Whose birthright is it? Believers. Unbelievers. It is not their birthright to see what God is doing. Sometimes I might stumble into it, but it doesn't belong to them. It belongs to us. We're the citizens of heaven. And so if this is the way God is working and if we can see what heaven is doing, then we need to take the responsibility to use the measure of political voice we have to bring that alignment into place. And so when we see, oh, God is, God is on this person to lead, we do what we can to help that person get into a place to lead. Oh, God's not on that policy we do what we can to, to resist that policy. Oh, God is not on that ideology, or he is on that one. We discern these things, and we participate in the process of that alignment. We've been given a measure of voice to make that happen. And so we want, this is why we can't just make an enemy of the government. 
If you make an enemy of the government, you check out from that process, and there will never be an opportunity for God's government to flow through ours. And so we take responsibility to do what we can to facilitate that incarnation. But if it doesn't happen, which is never going to happen perfectly, not till Jesus comes back would be my guess, but if it doesn't happen, the places where we do see that misalignment, we can have hope and faith. Why? Because our primary trust is in God's government, not in our natural government. It would be better if the natural government was in alignment with God's. But if it's not, our trust is in God's government. Our faith is in what he is doing. Guys, the natural government is not the answer to the problems of this world. It's God's. And so the extent to which that can line up is great. That will make the world better. But if not, the answer hasn't changed. Our faith and our trust and our hope is in Jesus Christ. And you know what? No one is going to displace him in the political process. I heard someone say, which I love, he's not president of presidents. He's king of kings. Nobody displaces a king. Presidents come and go. Kings stay. And he doesn't need our votes to get done what he wants to get done. Kings don't ask for participation. <laughs> they rule because it's been given to them to rule. And thank goodness, the best person in the universe, Jesus Christ, has been given to rule. He is king of kings and he is lord of lords. And whether our government is helping or hurting, he's going to get his mission done. Our hope, our trust, our faith can be in him. In Philippians 3, this will be our, our, our last scripture here, and then, I don't know about you, I want to worship. Love worship. Philippians 3, I think, just like caps this whole thing so perfectly. 3 verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things, politics included, <laughs> to himself. Jesus is really big. And you know, even if we don't see our government headed in his direction, God's well able to take care of all of us. God's well able to give us what we need. And none of that is going to change the fact that Jesus is going to win this thing. Now I hope we see a whole lot of our government aligning with his. I hope that Jesus's power can flow through our government and can guide our land. Trust me, I hope that too. I'm gonna use my political voice to, to try and help make that happen. And I suggest you do the same. <laughs> but even if it doesn't, the truth is, where's our citizenship? It's in heaven. And we're gonna be okay. You know, the worst thing that ever happens is you get to go to paradise early. <laughs> it's really not so bad, right? God is good. He's got us covered. Jesus, I thank you 
(laughs) that you are king of kings and you are Lord of lords and that we can trust and rest easy in your hands. God, I just, just right now, like (laughs) in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of all of this stuff, God, I just ask that right now we could just like crawl up onto your lap and just feel your bigness and trust that you're in charge. You're in charge, God, not our government. You're in charge. We trust you, God. Be our rock, be our anchor. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.